Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. I'm co-founder of the online magazine, The Refined Woman, and my vision is to create a safe space where we can take off that Superman cape of having it all together and share our stories authentically and honestly. I really believe people are dying for the permission to be vulnerable, to just go there. But it takes someone being willing to go there first. It's my desire to do just that and invite you and others to do the same by removing that shiny mask of perfection and courageously sharing the imperfect journeys of life, spirituality, love, business, and everything in between. Today on the podcast, I have two-time New York Times bestselling author of both Love Does and Everybody Always, Bob Goff. This man is so incredible. The way he the way he talks about faith, Jesus, loving people, and having this life of adventure is has been so powerful to me. So when I got an email back that he said yes to being on my podcast, I kind of freaked out. It was one of those emails where I was like, oh, send this. I probably won't hear back. So y'all, this conversation honestly was just such an honor to have. And if you don't know who this guy is, first listen to the podcast and then go to bobgoff.com. That's B-O-B-G-O-F-F.com, lovedoes.org, and dreambigframework.com. He's up to just some really powerful stuff. And on top of that, if you're listening to this and it's before Christmas 2018, stop what you're doing and order Love Does for Kids, his new book for kiddos. Um, This man is just living his message. And you might be able to tell in the interview, I was a little nervous talking to him because he has been such a mentor in my life. So I cannot wait for you to hear his wisdom. He is a fast talker. He is dropping some truth bombs. So get your notepad out, get your journal out, get your notes out and start taking notes because Bob is bringing it today. Welcome to another episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. I am your host, Kat Harris, and I am beaming from ear to ear because I am so excited to talk with Bob Goff. Bob, thank you so much for being here today. So excited you're here. Yeah, thanks for having me on. This is great. Yeah, so there's so many questions I want to ask you, and I want to honor your time. But the first thing that I cannot just get out of my head is I have been reading your book, Everybody Always. And you talk about, you know, when your kids were growing up, they necessarily weren't into sports per se, but one of your kids got into skydiving. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I was just like reading that and I was like, how as a parent, do you just be like, yeah, totally. Let's just get you into skydiving lessons. Yeah. You know, the whole idea as uh, as parents, we're trying to find that uh, beautiful pathway where we're not trying to manipulate our children's uh, conduct and the way that they live their lives, but instead find some support. And I'd rather be a participant in it uh, than just mm-hmm. an observer from afar. And so as a parent, if you say, well, there's no way in the world you're doing that, um, that's certainly one way you can go. And it might have some wisdom in that. Uh, But another way to go is to say, let me give you a ride and just find one more thing to do. And that if you think that's a bad idea, uh, then uh, go with your gut. But if you're doing, uh, if you're waving off on things because you're just afraid, uh, then I would just double check the return address on that. Um, mm-hmm. I think one time, sometimes what we do is we want to give away love to our children, but instead we instill fear. We make them afraid of their own life. And uh, what I don't want to do is that for my kids. So again, just do whatever it sounds like a good idea, but it sounded like a really good, bad idea. <laughs> A really good, bad idea. And even so, as I'm reading this, I'm like, 
I love also how you refer to your wife, um, sweet Maria. I just, you're like speaking blessing over her every time you write her name, but I'm like, what's it like to be married to you? Like, oh, what's man. it like when you're like, Oh no, we're just going to go skydiving or no, I just bought an, I bought the house across the street. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like Sarah following Abraham through the desert most of the time. Uh, but I think one of the things that uh, we've, reconcile for the two of us is that we're not trying to be like each other. We're actually, mm-hmm. faith is a big deal for us. So we're trying to be like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And what it is, he just lived a life unafraid. And, uh, and so this whole idea that we could be one, not just like one in concept and not oneness doesn't mean sameness. One means like like-minded in different ways. We have the same goal. We want to have uh, a beautiful experiences for our kids. We want to have a beautiful marriage, but we're not trying to be the same because we, we, you could not find two people that are more different <laughs> than mm. us. Yeah. I think that's such an important thing just to chat about is I think not to like turn things political, which I don't want to do, but I feel like we're in a time in our country and our culture where it's really hard to be a part of conversations where you disagree. And it feels like we're polarizing each other because we're like, well, if you aren't the same as me, or if you don't agree with me exactly what I agree with, or if you didn't vote who I voted for, or if you don't agree with me on this topic, then I can't even begin to try to put myself in your shoes. And it just seems like we've kind of created this, like there's like no space for error or no space for like, wow, like I see where you're coming from. I don't agree with it, but I can love you. What have you experienced in light of that? Well, I just think that we're all uh, learning. Uh, I've never seen anybody go professional at loving people and wear like a love. <laughs> and get sponsored by C's Candies and Hallmark and all that. So we're all really just amateurs at this stuff. Um, one of the things about me, I have a, uh, I was a lawyer for decades and uh, I actually win arguments for a living. <laughs> you know, we were arguing, oh, I'd be winning. But I'm not trying to argue with people anymore. I just, uh, I'm engaging people with love. I, and I, I guess for me, I'm not trying to have people meet me and my opinions. I want them to meet love. I want them to meet something much more enduring than something I could muster up. And so I just don't swing at every pitch. Like you don't have to accept the premise of everybody's questions. Jesus was asked 300 questions. He only answered two of them. <laughs> what? Actually, I've got a couple of questions for you. Um, yeah. So what I what I don't do is accept the premise of every question, and I just assume everybody's an amateur at this. I've been flying airplanes for twenty years, and I'm actually pretty good at it. Um, but when I come to land at an airport and you have to talk to the tower, I always tell them I'm a student pilot because <laughs> 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 then they're nice to me. They yeah. otherwise they're just talking real fast and. And uh, but that they know they hear some old guy on the plane and over the radio and he's a student pilot. They're like, oh, let's help the guy out. So I think if we could just be student husbands and student wives and student boyfriends and girlfriends and Mm -hmm. uh, students at love, we could just realize that we're just student parents. um, It would give us a we we would actually uh, have a right view of ourselves and we'd be a little kinder. And then the crazy thing, everybody will be a little kinder to us. <laughs> That's such a good point. One one thing in your book that you said that I just like it struck such a chord with me. I love being right. Like I I love algebra. I was a math minor in college. I'm like one plus two equals three. Y equals mx plus b. Give me the formula. I will conquer it. And so that can be really good for math, but really exhausting in relationships. I've discovered. And you said we can be correct and not right. And I think for a lot of my life, I was like, well, that's just wrong. Do the right thing. Or I remember I got, I would get really hung up when my girlfriends would date guys that were jerks. I'm like, well, he's just a jerk. Break up with him. Like it's black and white and not leaving room for, for the gray or for the nuance or for the fact that like you're saying, we're all amateurs here. Um, But I think for me, I, I hit, I have hidden and I can hide behind like the black and white or this is what's right. Um, And it's really, I think underneath it, there's fear. Um, I don't know if it's fear of the unknown, 
Um, but I wanted to kind of see what you thought about that, like this concept of, you know, you are a lawyer, so you have gotten paid most of your life to be right or win an argument. How do you actually just let that go? And like in the back of your head, I would just imagine like, okay, yeah, I'm being kind, but in the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, but I'm still right. Like, how do you let go of that? Yeah, I think you get to decide uh, going with that metaphor of, uh, you know, a sports game. The referees are all dressed in black and white. (laughs) That's such a good point. Yeah, they've got whistles around their neck. And I just uh, decided I would rather be, you know, the uh, some other position on the field, maybe the cheerleader, maybe the person that's just giving people Gatorade and not throwing it over their head, maybe the person that's a mascot that represents something beautiful. So I'd rather be a mascot, I think, than a referee. <laughs> that's such a good point. My dad told me once, he's like, you're not the morality police, Catherine. I'm like, that's a really good point. Like, I don't have to be that. Like, what if we chose a different role here? Yeah, and you'll realize that people are all at the starting line, not at the finish line, mm-hmm. me included. And so uh, you have, there's different things going on in their lives than are going on in ours. Like if there was a wedding planner, I promise you somewhere right now, praying for <laughs> next Saturday. (laughs) There's a farmer standing right next to her praying for rain. And so if it rains a little bit, uh, it doesn't mean he doesn't like the, God doesn't like the bride. It just means he's up to different things in someone else's life than he is in yours. And so sometimes when I meet uh, people that are a little cantankerous, I just assume that God's up to different things in their lives. And I don't Mm -hmm. think they're like bad things necessarily. I think they're different things. Yeah. I think we can even look for these like, oh, the the sign that God loves me or the sign that things are going my way is it's like, we're like playing this like magical formula with God. Like if I hear three taps on the door or if this butterfly flies by me, then I know you'll, you're on my side. And I wonder if that makes, that makes me the center of the universe as opposed to like, what you're saying is like, there's story all around us. And I'm like, we're all just characters in the story and someone else's story is colliding with mine in different ways. And that doesn't mean that God is for or against either of us. I think he's probably for both of us. Yeah, I think it's a, they're beautiful stories, you know, how a ladybug landed on your nose and that gave you some assurance. And that's just beautiful. And let ladybugs mm-hmm. and Twizzlers and Cake Pops and all of that uh, encourage you. But I don't have a really mystical kind of faith like that. I just, mm-hmm. I just delight in the things that are happening around me. And I just don't, I'm not going to leave it to someone else. Like you've had a longing, some of your listeners for decades of something mm-hmm. beautiful that they wanted to do. And then you ask some guy named Billy if you could do that. And he says no. And then somebody comes up with this ridiculous statement that God closed the door. <laughs> like mm-hmm. That is not what happened. Billy said no. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> 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 right. The hinges right off uh, and get inside. <laughs> Whatever it is that you've got is a beautiful ambition, these kinds of things that are enduring. and Just stay after them. Don't take no for an answer, but don't take yes for an answer all the time. Just because mm-hmm. something is available to you, you don't have to walk through every door. I get invited tons of places, and you do too. And, and mm-hmm. so not everything is a yes, but there's a lot more yeses than no's that come out of me. Um, yes. It's not an automatic yes. But this idea that we're not on a business trip, what God's done is invited us on an adventure. And so mm-hmm. business trips have itineraries and times and where you're supposed to be and who's picking you up and where you go and what you'll get done when you get there. And adventures, the beauty of them is you don't have all of that. And so when something really kind of weird happens or unlikely, I go like, just remind myself, oh, this is actually one of the things that I'll remember. The business trips, none of us will ever remember. Mm-hmm. It's the adventure. It's like when your left rear wheel passes you in the fast lane. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> You're like, oh, my gosh, we're on an adventure. Um, like- so I would just delight in that and say that is the things that will be memorable. Those will be the stories that you'll tell will be the adventures mm-hmm. that you're on. Yeah, I wonder if like we we try to overcomplicate things like, all right, like in order for me to move forward, I have to have 10 clarifications. I need to hear the audible voice of God. And 
like my career. So I, I was a Bible major in college. I was like, my plan was I was going to graduate 21 years old, be married. And that was going to be my life. And I look back and I'm like, I'm so glad God didn't give me what I wanted when I wanted it. And my life has been such an adventure, but so much of my life has been like, I'm just going to see what's, what's going to happen out there. Even just with this podcast, I just ask, I just ask people, I found your email and I just asked, do you want to be on this podcast? Like, I think we don't put ourselves out there enough because we're so afraid of rejection. But I feel like so much of what I've learned is you get a lot more yeses than no. And no's don't mean no forever. No could be protection. But I got into the photography world and I got hired by one of the top photographers in the nation. I didn't even know how to turn on a camera. I just asked. I my I was shooting New York Fashion Week, hardly knew how to turn the thing on, but I asked. And I think like there's there's like beauty in just being like, you know what? The worst thing that can happen is I can get a no. And sometimes, like you're saying, the closed door is let's take the hinges off, or maybe it's because there's this other door open over here, but we're so focused and attached to this one we don't see it. Yeah, I agree. The um uh, it's the uh, it's living a noteworthy life. It isn't just mm-hmm. experiencing these things, but writing them down. Like I've got already a page of notes I've written from our conversation. <laughs> so what I found is that the people that are most engaged in their lives are actually mm-hmm. taking notes on them. They're not living noteworthy, so they want somebody to think highly of them or somebody else. Mm-hmm. It's just being super, super engaged. Here's the phone number for the White House. It's 202-456-1414. One of the things that will happen if you live a noteworthy life is that you'll uh, take time to like catch things as they come by. When I get calls from people, they say, well, yeah, that's easy for you because you're like this or this or this. I think to myself, um, what if I tell them the phone number for the White House at some point in the conversation? And at the end of the conversation, I'm going to ask them this. What's the phone number for the White House? <laughs> the right oh, at the desk. And they'll say, I don't know. I'm like, that might be, I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but that might mm. be why you're not living this inspired life is that these mm. things come by you like butterflies and you don't have your net out. If you haven't written it down, don't feel bad about it. But that would be an example. And so when I get on a phone call, when I am uh, talking to people, I'm just taking notes all the time. I'm not trying to be a journalist. I'm not a reporter, but I'm trying to live a noteworthy life. So when these butterflies go by, you catch them. And it's not so I can put a pin through the beautiful butterfly. always kind of crack me up but but one of the things i just want to live this engaged life and so when somebody mm-hmm. tells me something that resonates i go like oh let's write that down yeah. uh, and if you do that then you'll find yourself just super engaged in the conversation mm-hmm. you're having you're not telling them about your stuff you're actually mm-hmm. interested in learning about their stuff so when you're talking about this like being engaged in your life i want to know what's the genesis of that for you like what was life growing up for you like were you always curious like this did something trigger something for you where you were like i want to actually from now on pay closer attention i guess amazing grandparents set of grandparents like many of your listeners did and um, they were really engaged. My grandfather was a fireman uh, on the San Francisco Bay for 40 years. He worked the oh, graveyard wow. at the end of a dock, and he never put out a fire. <laughs> never? <laughs> I don't even know if he knew how to. But one of the things that he did know how to do is to love me really well, extravagantly, without an agenda. When love has an agenda, it ain't love anymore. It's just another program. And so uh, Jesus doesn't need a program. He doesn't need you. Uh, loving people to, you know, help uh, him out. Uh, he's actually uh, got this thing wired. So, but but what he, the program is to just love people without an agenda. And mm-hmm. while my grandfather's passed on uh, decades and decades ago, one of the things that I'll remember is a really kind, loving man who just mm-hmm. kept reminding me about who I was. He didn't see my screw ups. It was like they weren't even there. He just saw my potential. Uh, and there's something beautiful in that. I'd find a couple people and I'd be that person that doesn't see people's faults, but sees their potential. Yeah. I just think of like what it would be like to, I'm just imagining myself back as a child, like thinking of those moments of like, I think when we blow it, 
or when we fail, like I know when I've blown it. And sometimes like all I need is someone to like breathe that life back into me as opposed to like affirming what I already know. (laughs) Like I, and that's what, that's what like faith is, is like, right. Like choosing to believe the unseen. Like I already know that like I have messed up big time and what an opportunity to like speak life and, and imagination and creativity over other people. Like as much as I love documentaries, my friends make fun of me because I'm like, can we just watch Pocahontas or can we like, I want to watch, like, I want to watch a cartoon or I want to read the Chronicles of Narnia again. Like I want to play because I know what's real. There's fires going on in California right now. Like that's real and that's important. And I want to acknowledge that and help be a part of the solution. But I also think like, I just, I want to feel like that wonder again of like being childlike. How do we be like children again? Well, one thing is you must be present to win. So just uh, there was a person in Paradise, California, one of the cities that burnt down. And they Mm -hmm. said, uh, do you want to make a T-shirt? And I thought that like that's terrific and that's noble, but that feels like kind of low hanging fruit. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to reach a little higher up on the tree and say, like, what if I make an appearance if you want to get everybody together in paradise, then I'd be just so delighted to come and speak to them. And so I think that idea of what we want to do is send a Hallmark card uh, Mm -hmm. when actually the greatest gift we can give is our presence, like to just be with people. It doesn't need to be a thousand people. It could be just the one you're sitting with to like Mm -hmm. lose all the distractions and just be with them. I'll tell you, I'm looping back again, a way to be present with them. Take notes. <laughs> conversation. That's not a weird thing. It'd feel awkward the first time until you told them that, man, I think you have some really important things to say. I want to just not have those. Um, but like you just from, you know, three minutes ago, like seeing, not seeing their faults, but their potential. Like I actually mm-hmm. want to spend a little time circling around on that. I want to actually mm-hmm. think about that a little bit more. And if we have these conversations where we're speaking as quickly as you and I do, um, mm-hmm. we just don't have time to process that. And I'm a medium smart guy and I just can't do that. Um, a, a 45 minute conversation for me has 15,000 words in it. I know that because every once in a while, if I'm speaking somewhere, it doesn't happen often, but I'll say something that makes sense. And and what I'll do is I'll send that out to this place called Rev.com. And there's a stay-at-home mom or dad that'll type it all up. And what? Uh, 30 bucks, you get a transcript. 45 uh, minutes, 15,000 words, and you just got a transcript of it. So, I mean, a book is 55,000 words. And yeah, I that's a whole chapter right there. <laughs> times a week. So I mean, like literally. So I would just say it's not everything needs to be a book and not everything mm-hmm. needs to be a Bible study. But it was mm-hmm. Hebrews 11. 1. It says that faith is this. It's confidence in what you're hoping for and assurance in what you haven't seen. And so mm-hmm. if faith isn't a big deal for your listeners, lose the Bible verse. But just be confident mm-hmm. in what you're hoping for and be assured in what you haven't seen. And so if somebody's kind of weird to you, just remind yourself what you're hoping for. And you don't need to hope that they'll change. Uh, the hope will be that you'll change. Yeah, that's, I mean, as you're talking, I'm just, I'm writing notes and I'm thinking about, there's been times where I've been talking with my dad and I'm like, does he think this is a business meeting? Why is he taking notes? But he's doing what you're saying. He's being active. He's participating. And I, I love that concept. Like I'm in just like, what if I showed up on a date and was on a date with a guy and just like brought out my notes and just started taking notes from our conversation? Like what could actually happen? Oh yeah. <laughs> if he wasn't into that, I'd lose the dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's becomes, that becomes like the number, like the, the deal breaker. Like this is how I know if like date number two is going to happen. I'm going to take out my notepad at some time or yeah. I'm going to say the White House phone number and if he's not paying attention guy's got to go <laughs> totally so that's it just write down the things that the people that you love the most are saying uh, and that's a great way to honor them um, mm-hmm. and they actually have things that move from just filling time to actually mm-hmm. like invading your life to have some of these mm-hmm. principles you could loop back to otherwise you'll have a conversation say how was it how did it go and you say terrific <laughs> well, I've had a hot dog that was terrific, you know, right. three bites and it's gone. But one of the things that you could, if you're going to invest a half an hour or 45 minutes with somebody, I think you should walk away with something. I think you should walk mm-hmm. away 
having learned more about yourself, more about Mm -hmm. them, more about their life, you know, just like that idea, I haven't thought about doing this for those of you that are listening that aren't married right now, like Mm -hmm. literally just write a marriage book. (laughs) It'll be like, (laughs) just give it to the guy and say like, you're not interested in this, man. Like, let's go bowling, but let's not go out. Um, Yes. So, and then once you do get married, you can update and revise it. Every single day, every single second of the day. Yeah, totally. And then uh, you'll find these beautiful things. Uh, A whole writer's trick is that you fail in chapter four. Like Mm. chapter one's too early and chapter 30 is too late. So about chapter four, that's like this authenticity to say, man, it doesn't uh, mean that I fall out of a window into a a pile of petunias every time. Like Mm. oftentimes there's some really bad things that happen. And so maybe you could be a little kinder to the people around you. What sweet Maria will say to me (laughs) is that, uh, that that's your chapter four. Oh, Uh, when I make a mistake, that's just like her just saying, you know, that's like, you're, we're totally good, but that's uh, one of those oops kind of things where Mm -hmm. you weren't actually listening. You're like wrapped up and you had a different thing going on than what we had going on. And so, that's just a beautiful way you can find in sh- uh, shorthand a way to uh, uh, describe. But these are beautiful words of invitation, not correction. They're just yeah. inviting you into the next version of you. Um, mm. So I think that uh, some people that have lots of words of correction, uh, they're actually kind of a turnoff. Now, they don't mean to be turnoffs. They just think that right. the way to help you is to inform you. Mm-hmm. And I think the way to help me is to love me. Yes. <laughs> I got all the information I need. Right. <laughs> Slow down. I cannot remember the first time my mom told me this, but she's pretty much been telling me this my entire life. You see, I have been the person that jam packs my day from down to the minute. I want to be efficient. I want to be productive. I want to have the best use of my time. But what often ends up happening is when the stars don't align and everything doesn't go as I have planned, things get a little chaotic, which how often in life do things go as we plan them to? Not often, right? So I have been challenged over the years and over time to pause, to slow down, to reset, to maybe even give myself margin between different projects or tasks throughout my day. And what I've discovered is when I create space, when I actually slow down, I can do more things. It feels so counterintuitive, y'all. But I want you to live this life of being slowed down from the inside out too. It's not something that I am this great expert at. I am a pilgrim on the journey with you. So I created a free downloadable guide how to slow down, six ways that I practice in my day-to-day life to interrupt the chaos, to interrupt the running, the hustling, the striving. I don't know about you, but I want to live a life of peace, of groundedness, of not running, 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 running. So join me in learning how to slow down. Go to therefinedwoman.com slash freebie where you can access how to slow down six ways to reset. Like I said, I I like the black and white. Like I love things that resolve, but I'm just even in my own life that my moments of struggle, I remember a few years ago, I was, I don't know, I guess I really want to talk about dating today because <laughs> I keep referencing it, but I was dating this guy that was all sorts of wrong for me and I knew it everyone knew it. And the people in my life that were like, just this guy's a jerk, get rid of it. Like, you know what you're supposed to do that. Like that wasn't helpful for me at all. It was my, my few friends and mentor that were like, all right, let's walk with you through this. What's coming up for you? Like they weren't telling me what to do. They were loving me in the process. And I think of that whenever I want to like, just tell someone what to do or the right and wrong answer. Cause I'm like, actually what transformed me, what transformed my life was someone just sitting with me and not judging me and not being the police and not being afraid or threatened that I was quote unquote doing things or 
dating someone that I quote unquote should or shouldn't be dating, but they were just with me and how powerful that is. Like, I think sometimes we think we just have to say, this is what's right. This is what's wrong. But I I love what you're saying about, well, Jesus is with people. Like he's not afraid of saying what's right and wrong. Like there, it's not that, but it's a, a commitment to the person and the story. Cause I feel like if we were all just, if everything was black and white, then like, we'd all have six packs and all be millionaires and be living our best lives. But life is so full of nuance and gray and, and people are messy and, and I am messy. (laughs) Yeah, I totally get that. Like if we're, and again, I'm back to amateurs. Like if I did one push up for every time I'd mess this thing up, I'd be totally ripped. (laughs) But, but we're just, because we're like student uh, boyfriends, student husbands, student parents, students, Mm -hmm. Like it, that we just don't always get it right. Remember in uh, that movie Groundhog Day, the guy keeps reliving the same day over and over again. Yes. And then he finds uh, this uh, amazing woman that he just falls in love with. And he's what he's trying to do is express love by continually changing. So remember, he mm-hmm. does a toast. I forget what he said, like, here's mud in your eye or something. And then she said, I always toast to world peace. And so the next time he relives a day, he's like, to world peace. And then, like she said, what kind of ice cream? She's like, remembers that likes chocolate, doesn't like vanilla. And then at one point she stops and she says, gosh, are you memorizing me? Like it, it was, what he was trying to do is express love, but he was doing it by trying to get all the right answers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think what uh, God wants us to be is authentic people. He never had trouble with people who would messed up. It seemed like Jesus had trouble with people who were acting like they were at a different place than they really were. And Mm -hmm. so I just want to just get real with where I am and have Mm -hmm. a beautiful ambition and surrounded by friends that point me towards the horizon in my life and say, this is the guy that I think you're turning into. I think Mm -hmm. that's what we do. That's what, and then if you can't see the horizon, um, then that might be somebody, if it's in the dating world, they're probably still playing JV ball and you want to, uh, you want somebody who's playing in the majors. So you don't need to make fun of them, but I'd create a little distance and I'd find somebody who's pointing towards the horizon. Uh, they don't have their head down, uh, not listening. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I can't help but think when you're saying all these words, like you say in your, in your bio, on your website, you're a recovering lawyer and you have all these things going on. And I know that you have like your, your love does organization now from your book. And I just want to hear like, what is, what is going on in your life right now that you're excited about? I feel like you have some projects that that are really exciting. And I just want to hear, I want to hear about like your book that you came out for kiddos and yeah, all the things. Yeah. I think the, uh, I wrote the book love does, uh, a while ago and the idea was to build some schools. And so I, if I had a cupcake sale, people would die. So (laughs) I created them one book for one school, but then they sold a couple million of these books. And so we just started schools. Then after Uganda, there's now 1,200 kids at that school, and we have five schools, not one, and a witch doctor school and prison schools and safe houses. And then we've got one in Somalia, and uh, our newest school is in Afghanistan. We teach little girls how to read and write, uh, ones that the Taliban say that they won't teach how to read and write. We're like, we're going to teach them anyway. And so like that whole idea of you get an idea and you get a beautiful ambition. And the crazy part about our ambitions aren't that they go, they happen across the ocean, but they happen across the street. Those I think are the ambitions that really have shelf life. And I mean, certainly do those things far away if you'd like, but make sure you're doing the things across the street. And so one of the newest projects we did was uh, just a love does book for kids. And we just made a book so that parents could either read it to their kids or even better yet, have their kids read it to them. And it's not just a picture book like The Hungry Caterpillar with like three words on each page. It's actually kind of a young reader's like uh, book. There's, there's, I don't know, there must be 40 stories in there. But just uh, to have another point of contact. And we just like did, you know, kind of like, um, oh, who's that famous painting? Norman Rockwell kind of mm. painting 
that go with each of this. We had paintings made, and then we turned them into pages in the book. And one of the things that I want to do is just have us have more reasons to be talking with each other and reading stories to each other, or uh, whether you're a kid that's seven or 77, uh, that we would find our way back to that childlike faith. That, yeah, that was one of my first notes from our conversation mm-hmm. that talked about a childlike faith. And so sometimes we're in such a big hurry to grow up. And I actually want to do a little of the opposite. I want to remember the young guy I used to be and how I used to live a life mm-hmm. filled with imagination and wonder. And sometimes we kind of get far away from that. So whatever it'll get you back there, do that. Here's something to write down. Do you know a banana is a berry and a strawberry isn't? No. <laughs> what? One. So one of the things... But if you're just engaged in your life, you'll be engaged in your marriage, you'll be engaged in your relationships, you'll be engaged in your faith. I just want people living engaged lives. And if you've ever had a job that totally stunk, it's because you weren't engaged. You just be like, you're looking at the clock and be like, dude, this is not my life. It's because you haven't been engaged. And I think the answer isn't to have a Bible study. I think it's to quit. Mm. (laughs) Just literally (laughs) Walk right in today if you're listening to this, can your resignation in, like, <laughs> say, I'm out of here. And you're not going to be living in the back of a Buick if you do that. What you're going to do mm-hmm. is have access to the most current version of you rather than being mm-hmm. stuck one or two jobs behind who you've turned into. So I hear that. And so just a, a little pushback or a question I have with that is, have you ever read Seth Godin's book, The Dip? Yeah, totally. Okay. So it's like the concept is um, like we all start off our jobs or wherever we're at in life and we're just, I'm excited just to be getting the coffee. Like, I don't care that I'm not getting paid peanuts. I, I'm just, I'm ready and excited to be here. But at some point, whether it's like six days in, six weeks, six months, six years, we hit this dip where it becomes monotonous or we're like, we're not finding joy in the position anymore, or we want that CEO position. But the dip is all about like learning when to say yes and learning when to say no, because if we just quit the job every time it gets hard or we don't like it, then we're just going to get another job and at some point get to get to the place that same exact place and so it's like how do like I hear what you're saying but how do we also like go to the spaces where like all right like I might not be in the position I want I might not be exactly the person I want to be yet or I might not have my fitness goal but like I want to stay in for like the long haul because I see like I see the goal down the road. I'm just thinking of like myself and so many millennials that are like quitting before we even start because it's like not the exact thing we thought we wanted it to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I get the idea of uh, not quitting because it got hard. I would say quit because you've changed, because you've become a new version of you, like the next version of you. That's where it gets really good to say, uh, I've actually changed it, so I'm going to move on. And I get Paul said, I'm content in all things and mm-hmm. all that. And he said that from jail cell. Um, but I get the idea even more that we are meant to change and evolve. And some of us have just evolved past what we're doing right now. I'd say if you've changed in your marriage, I, would, I wouldn't leave the marriage. I think I would uh, roll up my sleeves and double in and just say, like, let's get this thing done. What, how can I honor you more? Not how do you change, but how can I get it? And, and still be authentic to yourself to say, this is the person I've become. And how do we, while we're vastly different, how can we still do this beautiful thing that we set out to do? So I'm, I'm big on commitment, 32 years, two months and three weeks into this marriage. But I'm also big into changing as a guy who's quit as many things as I've started. Like literally, I've just like I've just got a bunch of stuff now, and the uh, the end of all of this, the things that I'm doing right now, I'm going to quit those too. Um, wow. I don't know when, but I, I, I'm positive that I will quit them eventually. Yeah. And I'd love to hear you kind of talk about the different roles you've had throughout your life and through your career, because you've had so many different roles in your life and, you know, from lawyer to what you're doing now, what was it like to be like, all right, I'm going from a lawyer to this, I'm going from this to this. Um, What did that feel like for you? 
Yeah, some people uh, explain these changes and they say I was called to do this. Yeah, and I think that's a beautiful idea. But I was like, I I get a hundred calls a day from the back of the book, and um, and so I know what a call is. <laughs> um, but and I've never gotten that kind of call from Jesus. I wouldn't send that one to voicemail. But <laughs> one of the things is that it's the wedding of a capability and an opportunity. So you just go, this is something I'm capable of. And there's somewhere of an opportunity to do it. And then I would say, follow that. Like, so being self-aware enough to know what you're capable of, uh, intuitive enough to know the right timing in the sequence of all the other things happening in your life and the lives of the people around you. Just because you have an opportunity to move to Philly to get a promotion uh, doesn't mean you need to take it and uproot your entire family, pull the kids out of school and all their important relationships for you to go pursue your opportunity. So it's being self-aware enough to know about you, what's going on around you, having Mm -hmm. a capability and then an opportunity to go do something about it and then not being afraid when the opportunity comes. Mm-hmm. And again, open doors, closed doors. I don't know if that analogy works for people. It usually doesn't because they talk about open door just because they had an opportunity that they moved everybody to Philly could be the worst idea ever totally. for you to do just be a huge distraction and terribly wounding to the people around you. Mm -hmm. Um, But you just need to say, what's the return address on this? Is this fear or me trying to get the approval from a, you know, a parent that didn't give me approval when I was young or so being self-aware enough to know the return addresses. And then, and then uh, to step forward to those, know actually what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would drill down instead of saying, I want to be happy because I haven't met a lot of people that don't. There's a couple, mm-hmm. um, but the, uh, but drill down and say, well, what does happy look like? What do you actually want to have is what I'm saying is I want to be popular. Well, if that's your goal, I mean, if your applause is the goal, join the circus. <laughs> um, but today, I want to be happy, meaning that I want my uh, family and the people I love the most to feel really enriched in their lives and on track with whatever it is that God has for them. I'd say that would actually make me happy. Hmm. Um, then I would say, well, then go through a roll call of every important person to you. And then to say, uh, uh, is there anything I can do to help you with your big ambition? Hmm. I would also say, don't go with your just your capabilities. I got in some a file cabinet somewhere. Uh, sheets of paper that says I'm a lawyer in five states. And it's just because I'm good at taking the bar exam. <laughs> I could have the shoes on my wrong feet to pass a bar exam. But just because you're capable of it doesn't mean that you're called to it. Mm. And so when somebody says, I've been called to this, I'm thinking, well, you're just, it might be that you're just capable of that, uh, but your capability might not be your calling. And so I would say, to drill down on that a little bit and to say, what's the thing underneath the thing? Yeah. Um, what is it that is making you restless right now? Yeah. Uh, and is because it- if you need no more love in your life, buy a puppy, don't get a new <laughs> spouse. <Yes. laughs> well, and I think as Christians or people of faith, we can really over-spiritualize life. Like, am I allowed to say, I just want to move or I just want a different job or I want, I want this new shiny computer as opposed to like, I think, I think we can hide behind our spirituality sometimes and almost like use Jesus or faith as a crutch. And I don't think that's what I don't think that was the intention, but, or I don't think that's was God's intention of like having a relationship with us as me being like, Oh, I know I'm going to tell people that I'm called to this thing. So then there's less questions or it makes me feel better about the decision. I go back to like John Piper, like God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. Like, what if, what if I can just get really connected to like the longing and the desire and own that as opposed to like, I don't know, hiding behind spirituality. Like, do you see that? What do you think of that? Well, people are just uh, as insecure as I am. And so when we're really insecure, then what we do is start uh, talking in ways that don't sound like authentically us. And so you don't Mm. need point that out for other people in their lives, but you'll (laughs) notice it in your life. You'll just say like, actually, if I've started adopting a bunch of words that I don't actually use, like the guy at the tire store doesn't talk (laughs) the way that I talk right now, um, then I would just say that's probably an indicator that you're just as insecure as me. If you find yourself 
trying to uh, get validation from people, then you're probably just as insecure as me. So if we were uh, doing that, <laughs> just say like, and you could end each uh, conversation or a sentence with saying, you're probably just as insecure as me, that would uh, bring a humility that would actually serve uh, us really well in our lives and to realize that we're all just like amateurs at this stuff. And so yeah. be a little bit kinder. And uh, so I would just say if you're mad at your boyfriend or your husband, I would say pick one, not, not both. <laughs> um, then you're probably, they're probably just as insecure as you. And so if you could just have, you know, the talk, but not with everybody else, have it with yourself mm. and to let uh, yourself know that you actually are entitled to beautiful relationships. You're entitled to having supportive community around you. You're entitled to have people authentically love you with no agenda. You're entitled to uh, deep conversations, not shallow ones. Uh, however, if you're not experiencing deep conversations, not shallow ones, if you're not experiencing community, if you're not experiencing the kind of authentic relationships you want, it's because you're surrounded by people that are just as insecure as you. And mm -hmm. so what we need to do is bring to that the maturity that might be lacking in other relationships and to just say, okay, so what's my next courageous step? What I'm going to do is I'm going to try to be authentic with somebody and say, I know we're all insecure and we're all like acting this person. Like that's my, your Facebook picture has you like climbing an ice ledge, you know, with beaners. <laughs> around your neck, because that's the person that you want to be. Let's just talk about the people that we are right now. That's a really mature thing. Instead of walking around miffed that nobody else is getting real, just mm -hmm. to say, you know what, I'm going to take down my Facebook page. I'm going to replace it with a more authentic version of myself. Mm -hmm. So as we start growing ourselves, then what we end up doing is drawing people in. We just change the game rules. Like the game rules are that you can actually be real and be messed up and, mm -hmm. uh, and lose some of the <clears throat> things you're known for uh, and replace them with the things that you actually are longing for. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what I want to do. I like I'm known for like writing books, but uh, if you take away what you're known for and uh, replace it with what you're longing for, then that would be uh, the beginning of a real conversation. Yeah. Just kind of tearing down those masks of, this is what's expected of me, or this is what I want you to expect of me, or this is what I'm hoping for, hoping that you would think me as, and just kind of taking all that down and just offering yourself. Um, yeah, you're making idea. it sound I mean, so they, easy. <laughs> it's like one, I mean, I think that's why God made Starbucks so that we could actually go there and to say, listen, I'm just a beginner at this. I'm a, I feel like I'm a student friend right now. Mm. Uh, but for your listeners, just find one friend and say, can we meet at Starbucks? And the answer is always yes, or they're not a true friend. And so <laughs> we go to Starbucks and say, can we have, I was listening to a podcast, and can we just do this experiment? I want to have one authentic conversation with you. And let me start. Um, I'm not just going to say go. I'm going to say, let me start. Um, I think these are the three things that I'm known for. I'm known for writing books. I'm known for being a happy guy. I'm known for uh, starting schools some places. And mm -hmm. so let me tell you who I actually am, though. This is uh, who I am. I'm this, I am a husband, but this, this is what that looks like in my life. This is the guy I actually am. This is the guy I want to be. Uh, I'm sure I know how to write books, but I can barely spell cat. And I'm <laughs> Verified that if I write another book, nobody will like it. Um, and then, uh, and then uh, my ambition, while people think about schools, my ambition actually is to be a grandfather. Like that's what I won't really want to do. And so what I need to do as soon as that happens is stop speaking, which is what I do seven days a week and actually sit on the back porch. And, uh, the, the insecurity that I have about that is, so can you see how that's like just a different conversation than say, yeah your friend, you know, over the latte to say like, well, go tell me about you. And mm -hmm. man, I'll tell you, you'll go a mile deep rather than an inch thick mm -hmm. on that. And, uh, that's, I think where we start and you just go from one conversation to the next one. Yeah. I'm going on a, a hike with my friend after we get off the phone and I want to, I want to ask her those, I want to talk with her about that. The three things I'm known for and who I am though. Like, I think that's so important because it's so easy to just stop at like, well, I am, I am my title or 
or I am who you say I am, but who are we underneath that? And who are we as like when all of the bells and whistles go away, like who am I and bringing that person And I think what you said is so powerful of not just like demanding vulnerability from someone else, but like first going there, like someone's got to go there first and it might as well be me or it might as well be you in the conversation. Um, So just kind of like wrapping up, I like one question I have, I got this from Oprah. It's not my own question, but I love it. (laughs) She says, what are you sure of? Oh, yeah. You know what? I would say I just leave it to a lawyer to redefine a term. But I would say here are all the things that I'm positive about. And here are all the things I'm just guessing about. I'm positive (laughs) that my grandparents love me. Uh, I'm positive about my faith. Uh, But there's a lot of things that I'm not certain of. I have an informed belief, but it's I'm just guessing about heaven. Um, I've read about it. I just haven't experienced it yet. Um, so the things that I'm positive about love of a grandparent, I know sweet Maria loves me. I know my kids love me. So I would say those are the things that I would be positive about. And the things that I'm just guessing about is a much longer list. It's a, a pretty much everything else. And again, they're informed guesses. They're informed by my belief. They're informed by my life experiences and all that. And what I do is draw a bright line when I'm talking to people about what I'm in uh, believe and I'm uh, positive about and what I'm just guessing about. Hmm. Uh, and that's actually really helpful to let people know, Hey, they, I'm just telling you something I'm guessing about now. And then hmm. tell you the still other things. This is what I'm positive about, but just because I'm positive about it, I don't have to make everybody else feel like they need to be positive about it. Yeah. Giving people the permission to be, be on the journey that they're on. And just to say, wow, let me take some notes on your journey. That might help Mm -hmm. at least inform some of the things I'm just guessing about. Um, Mm -hmm. Or it might actually inform some of the things I thought I was positive about. And then you meet another humble soul along the trail and you go like, wow. So bring your notepad when you go on that hike. Yes. And see the trail. I totally am. I totally am. Well, Bob, I just want to thank you for your time and just living your message. I'm, I'm so encouraged. I have two pages worth of notes and I'm just wanting more of you in the world. And um, I'm, I'm encouraged and inspired um, by your words, by the way you do life. And um, I know so many others are and, how can we stay in touch with all of what you're up to? I'm a pretty easy guy to find. So <laughs> if somebody wanted to find me, they they could. So um, I would say the best gift that people can do is just like get in touch with these authentic relationships, figure out who they are, figure out who's in your chair, figure out who's in the chair across you. Not like trying to put them on a, on a shelf somehow, mm-hmm. compartmentalize them. But to uh, that's the biggest gift I think we can give to each other, our presence, our time. Um, and so I'm just so glad that we got to spend a little bit of time together. Yeah, I am too. I am too. I'm really grateful. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great yeah. day. You too. Thanks so much for your time. And I'll hopefully talk to you soon. <laughs> okay. I'll see you. All right. Bye-bye. I'm Kat Harris, and you've been listening to the Refined Collective Podcast. You can follow our journey on Instagram at The Refined Woman, our website, therefinedwoman.com for show notes, other features and interviews, and a deeper look into our tribe. Find us on iTunes, The Refined Collective. Subscribe, rate, review, and leave us some love. Join me next time. And thank you so much for listening. And one last thing, in case you ever forget, you are not alone. Your story matters and you belong here.